Last call for our live Tortoise Shack show on Sunday evening in the Sugar Club. Tickets are available on eventbrite.ie. If you just go to Eventbrite, check for Tortoise Shack, you'll find us there. Uh, it is a hell of a lineup. Really looking forward to uh, to actually taking part and watching. Uh, I'm really excited to see the first ever live Built Different on stage, as well as Vicky's co- conversation with... Senator Lynn Rowan and Paula Carney on all things decrim and how we can save and change lives. Uh, as I said, eventbrite.ie, tort- throw in tortoise shack, grab your tickets and come along and enjoy what's always one of the best nights. Uh, a great room, a great, great, great vibe. And, you know, we'll have a bit of fun as well as, uh, possibly one or two poignant moments. Uh, looking forward to see lots of you there. The other thing I have to ask you, if you're not a patron, please become a patron. There's all sorts of benefits, including additional podcast material, exclusives, and and actually discount codes to these live shows. So it bloody pays for itself. Uh, with all those things, plus about 800 uh, posts and one, and one feed without these uh, demands, are available right now on patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. Uh, really appreciate it, and I'll let you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Rory Hearn. Delighted to be joined the podcast today by Siobhan O'Donoghue, who is a founder and director of the online digital campaigning group, which lots of listeners will know, called Uplift. Uh, We've had other um, people from Uplift, like Michelle and Emily, on before. Siobhan, it's great to have you on Reboot Republic. I can't believe that you haven't been on yet in all these years. I know. I've managed to successfully... Stay in the background. <laughs> you have. I'm very shy, I'm Rory, as you know. What did you say? I'm very shy, as you oh, know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, one person who's certainly not shy is you. But listen, Siobhan, uh, we're going to talk about today the response by government to and communities and um, to the humanitarian crisis in the Ukraine in terms of refugees arriving here. What is the situation on the ground, what can be done. We did a podcast um, just last week with Lorcan Sir around this, and people can listen back to that, and mm-hmm. um, where we discuss some of the solutions. Um, and I have an article in the Irish Examiner today, which people can check out as well, which goes through uh, some of the solutions as well in terms of addressing both the Ukrainian um, humanitarian crisis, refugees coming in, and also our own housing crisis here. And you can, and I will be reading that article at the end of this podcast. Um, and Siobhan and Uplift also have a petition which they've set up, which Siobhan will be talking about in detail that we would love you to go sign um, and check out. And that is at, on uplift.ie. Would that be right, Siobhan? Yes, um, I, can, I can share the link yeah, with you people. and will be on social media from today and people will be getting it in their inbox as well. Okay. If they're um, signed up to to Uplift as a as a yeah. member, they can go and sign up uplift.ie. So we're we're looking. Siobhan, just in terms of the I suppose we were talking about this last week. Um and this is, you know, really an unprecedented humanitarian situation in terms of Ireland, the numbers that are, you know, that we're rightfully welcoming in. Um but it is also on top of an existing housing emergency and crisis. Um, firstly, in terms of Ukraine refugees and the response, we have heard potentially at the end of next week that 
there's going to be families um, going into tents and warehouses and arenas. What do we know? Because um, you, I know, are doing a lot of work in terms of um, coordinating community responses and supporting community solidarity. What do we know is likely to happen in the coming weeks in terms of um, Ukrainian refugees and where they're going to be housed? So, so what we what we know as of today is that over twenty thousand people have come to Ireland um, in the last. Um, it's it's actually under four five weeks, just because yeah. between four and five weeks, which is as you can imagine, is, is is a very significant number of people fleeing the war in Ukraine. What we know is that that number is going to dramatically increase, probably over the next. A uh, few months as the, as more and more people are evacuated and have, are forced to leave the Ukraine. Um, and I mean, I was sharing, um, images this morning of, I know I live here in West Cork and in Clannacilty. There's, there's, there's images over the weekend of halls being set up with like lines of camp beds. I was in Clare at the weekend and I know that there's, that every local authority has been directed to, um, get in place uh, what they're calling kind of rest um, centres, which are basically warehouses or halls with camp beds. Um, and I know the one in Clare, for example, I think is in a in an industrial estate in, in near Innes. Um, yeah. So that's, we know that they've ran out of kind of hotel guest house accommodation already. Um, so there, and that there are no, we know that the Dara Bryan has convened uh, kind of some kind of a summit today with um, people from the in the housing kind of sector that are in like uh, builders and kind of in the in the, the housing industry. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a pretty stark vista we're looking at. Uh, we know that there's community centres are kind of span offering halls. We know that there's unused convents being con- quickly converted. Um, uh, and that's that's from like like literally every county in Ireland is 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 involved in some kind of an effort like that. Yeah, it's, it's actually Lorcan was making the point, and you were making the point to me as well that we're likely to be seeing um, children going to school. Yeah, you know, from these these arenas, these as you describe, you know, uh, warehouses. Um, with, you know, as you say, sleeping on, on, you know, camp beds or even, you know, ground mats, you know, these are not the majority, overwhelming majority, if I'm right, of, of refugees from the Ukraine are women and children. That's right. Women and, and children and older people, but m- m- primarily the biggest group is women and children. Like because it's not men, a, men aren't allowed to leave. Yeah, of course. Yeah. In terms of the war and, mm. um, you know, and anyone who, you know, who knows children, you know, sleeping on a camp bed, you know, children need their sleep like at the most basic level. And this is not, that's not sustainable for no. weeks, not to mind months. But I heard on the weekend there, um, I don't know which government minister or representative was saying, you know, we kind of have to look at this as a medium term response, but they cannot so, be medium term places. No, I feel, I, 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 and I can share them later, but they, like, just like seeing the images of a, of a big gym with literally rows of camp beds lined up is like maybe a one night, um, emergency response. It's not yeah. anything in medium term. I mean, and as a, as a parent, and you, you know, we're, as you, you know, this Rory, like, can you imagine in, like, there's children who've coming from Ukraine who have, who are, who've lost the ability to speak because they're so traumatized. Like yeah. the level of trauma is, huge and 
people and kids are also, I mean, we know are very resilient, but yeah. I can imagine if that was me, it, you know, when my kids were small, there's no way my kids would be sleeping on a camp bed beside me. They'd be in my arms wanting Absolutely. to sleep, to, to be comforted. Yeah. Anybody trying to do that on a camp bed? <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's, it's so there's no nothing midterm or medium term in this. And I suppose just in terms of, I suppose, what's in front of us is like what we know from your article and from what Larkin Sarah said and what the work that the Refugee Council said is that like it, this is a manufactured crisis in, in a sense of not, not humanitarian crisis of yeah. people fleeing war, um, but in terms of ending up in camp beds as a medium term, maybe living there for months is, is, is a manufactured crisis. Yeah. We have gotten, we've got, the fact is, and there's argument about the numbers, but the bottom line is, is that there are more empty, suitable empty homes and properties across Ireland, more than, more va- vacant and empty, um, than the people who need them, both coming yeah. from Ukraine and also people who are, who are in hotels right now in, in emergency accommodation for all kinds of reasons yeah. or in direct provision centers not able to move out. We actually have the solution. And I suppose the, the, the frustrating part of this is that, you know, we have that like this government are like, you know, wringing their hands and kind of making all the right noises and are all out there talking about what they're doing and, you know, the empathy and, you know, hugging children saying, we, we're standing with you, we're standing with you. And in the meantime, they're standing, they're allowing a situation happen where, where, where empty, perfectly fine, empty homes are sitting idle. Well, children are putting their uniforms on, will be putting their uniforms on to go to school from a camp bed or, 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 a, or a tent um, in the next week or weeks to a few weeks. So like that's that's some that, and they would like us. They'd like nothing more than for us to think that there's nothing that can be done about that. And that's not the case. We can do something about it. It's in it's in the government's. Um, gift to do something about it, and I think what we know across Ireland that there's that that actually there's a huge groundswell of solidarity and action from communities. So I suppose what we're interested in doing is is how do you harness that and direct that to a solution that will mean that people, anybody who desperately needs a, a safe roof over their home, can actually recover, get on their feet figure out what they want to do next that's yeah. possible yeah it is absolutely and i think it's for a lot of people it, it's difficult because they're all they've heard from government over the last you know five years is how difficult it is to you know address the housing crisis and how hard it is and there's all these complications and you know but of course myself and others and Lorcan <laughs> and uplift and others have been making point no there's lots of solutions and there has been and the use of vacant and derelict properties is one of the key ones. And it's not just, you know, as the Irish Refugee Council were making the point, it's not just, you know, vacant property that mightn't have been used in six months or a year or two years. The holiday homes are there. There are 60,000 holiday homes. And, you know, surely at least 10,000 of those could be used, like one one sixth of them could be got um, to be used. And we also know there's you know, thousands of vacant property, which is sitting there and with a very small bit of work could be brought back into use as well. Um, And I think that I was really disappointed to see uh, the quarterly update of the Housing for All plan came out last week. And in the, um, the kind of preamble to it, 
the government said, you know, reaching our targets now for housing for all the 33,000 is going to be more challenging given the Ukrainian, um, you know, refugee crisis, humanitarian crisis. And I was like, that's just wrong. Like, it's wrong to start now. They're going to blame, you know, oh, we, we have to deal with, um, you know, the Ukrainian refugee crisis and we won't be able to meet our housing targets. You just see the level of frustration in people bubbling up and going, you know, despair and despondency. But so I think we have a real, you know, communications war on our hands to try and get out the message that actually there are solutions there. There have been solutions and it doesn't have to be an either or that it can be both. I think that's I think that's the the, the nub of it. I, I was in uh, Kilrush at the weekend and my mother and I, we counted 20 empty, perfectly good, empty homes in one street. Yeah. One street. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, like, so, you know, it doesn't have to be that way, as you say. No. It doesn't have to be this way. And what we know is, you know, that this kind of narrative that's coming from the state and coming from government, and we're coming from senior housing officials. I mean, I know we've, you know, the housing officials are in the limelight at the moment, but we know that senior, you know, housing officials in uh, responsible for housing in, in, would, you know, are are kind of blocking a lot of progress as well, and the and politicians and the government, this government in particular, are kind of letting, standing by and letting this happen and letting letting kind of industry lead the way when we know that industry industry's motive is not safe and secure homes for people. It's basically it's it's a profit. Um, um, model, um, and yes, the, the the holiday homes. I live, I I've been, I live in West Cork, surrounded by holiday yeah. homes. I've been evicted yeah. from. I used to live in a holiday home. I was evicted, and that ho- that holiday home is still sitting empty. Uh, three years used. later, yeah. Um, and I come from West Clare, surrounded by again, um, um, holiday homes and local communities. Local communities are, you know, while on one hand kind of appreciate, you know, the the role of the tu- of tourism and the tourist industry and people coming to spend a few weeks in a in a in a you know in the area. But what you ask any local community with a, a high density of holiday homes, what they really, really want, and they want livable communities. We all want livable communities. We want children in our schools. We want people to 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 be able to Go at, to get a job and and uh, with a living wage as a um, and 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 have uh, security like any of those communities and so I suppose what we're seeing and what the refugee council said and what others have said and what you're saying is that this the you know what's possible here over the next few months is to create a situation is to have livable communities where people yeah. who are desperately in need. Of, of security right now and safety right now will have a, a secure home for um, you know a year at least a year okay um that will and that will help them both settle contribute to the local community be you know be part of that local community and help us all figure out what 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 we do next because we don't know what's going to happen in ukraine either yeah and how, we don't, how that's yeah. going to evolve and, and in yeah. the meantime you know we you know it and i think that 
they tr there's something here that they, you know, I know I can see Michal Martin, I can see government ministers, they're watching very carefully what their, what their voters are thinking. And, and a bit like what we did before with the, you know, in 2015 when the, the, the Syrian refugee crisis, is that they're in danger, in danger of being on the wrong side of where their voters feel feelings on this. And they, like, there's a huge, groundswell of support and solidarity at community level. Their own councillors are saying that some of the leadership in parties are actually not, are, are out of touch with where that groundswell of support in, in local communities are. So in some ways, our job, I think, as as kind of, you know, in, in you know, social justice leaders and activists is to kind of show, harness that and direct it to a solution that actually will benefit all communities who, who Communities are trying to have a livable kind of environment for everybody, but also communities where where people who are homeless and people who are moving in, in you know, in seeking refuge, have a, have a, a safe home as well. So you know, there's a big fight here, and I think, but I think for the and I I've been around this work for a long time. I can see the energy in it. I can see that there's momentum here. And yes, you can, you know, there's sixty thousand holiday homes. You know, not all of those will you know, are going to step up to this, you know, um, but you could get 10,000, you could get like, you, there's lots of ways you, this, we can to make sure that there's enough homes, but there's a lot of goodwill. You will have a certain number of, of people who are, who have maybe family homes or second homes or whatever, who'll be absolutely up for, for um, signing up to some kind of a program. That would cover their costs or whatever um, for for a year. Absolutely, I'm 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 no doubt about it. Yeah, not everybody yeah. will do it, but there'll be enough will do it. There will, and and it, I think as well that the scale of you know what is is there. Like when you put the numbers in comparison, that we have, you know, in the region of um, twelve hundred, you know, we've we've ten thousand existing homeless. Um, either families or individuals in this country before um, the Ukrainian humanitarian uh, disaster. If we look at it, you know, there's 1,200 of those are adults and children. Sorry, but there's 1,200 families, 1,200 families with about 3,000 children with them. So there's about 5,000 there. Um, that when we look at that in contrast to how many numbers of Ukrainians are going to be coming in here, I think we have to look at solving both of these together. And there's no reason why we can't. Mm -hmm. We could end ha family homelessness, existing family homelessness, alongside providing homes for Ukrainian refugees. We could do both. And I think it's important that we do that, you know, these are seen as been addressed because, but to do that requires emergency measures. It requires them doing things that they haven't been willing to do up to this point, which is really go after the vacant and derelict properties in a way that like, and I don't see why they can't, you know, set up a state construction company or else, you know, get private construction. Cause I was, you know, putting the figures there that there's 150,000 construction workers, only 40,000 of them are actually building homes. Currently the most construction workers in this country are building hotels or offices. Um, and we don't need hotels or offices right now. You know, we need, vacant and derelict property converted like the numbers are just phenomenal like you know you're talking as a, a count of roughly combining you know vacant and derelict properties you're talking about 90,000 vacant homes that's excluding the holiday homes 
20 odd thousand derelict property, 30,000 vacant commercial, like you're heading towards 200,000 properties that with a couple of months work could be homes. Absolutely. Like I mean, the solution is there. It's and and I know yeah, it's hiding in plain sight. Hiding, absolutely. And I know this, the big question would say, well, you don't own those and the state doesn't own those. And I would say, well, if they're sitting there vacant or derelict, I think there should be, you know, the uh, the call put out to offer up your vacant or derelict property. It can be refurbished and done. We can work out what's going to happen. But on a temporary basis, I think the state should take ownership. So, I mean, there's there's ways to do this. There's loads of ways to work yeah, it there's out. There's loads People of ways to do this. want to yeah. sell it or, but I think on a temporary basis, at least, property should be converted. And, you know, we have a constitution, we have potential for emergency powers. There's no reason why any family should be homeless or, or Ukrainian yeah. refugees sleeping in warehouses or There's, tents. It's a, it's a political choice yeah. that people are homeless and that children are, 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 are in this situation. And we're yeah. robbing, we're robbing children of their futures and i and i just i want to add one more thing if there's one thing that we've learned through COVID, is that when it comes to it the state can jump into action fast it can think big it can actually like when when COVID kicked in it wasn't it wasn't the private market that's that saved us it became actually quite defunct it was the public space yeah. it was public leadership and the state response so i think that was a big kind of awakening moment which i was oh my god we've been arguing this for years like yeah. and nobody quite believed it you know mm. and here we are. actually it does work mm. and when the you know when the shit hits the fan it is the state that actually can step yeah. up and and did a good job i mean uh, you know with loads of caveats right i'm not yeah. i'm not <laughs> but combined but I, combined yeah. with harnessing community energy as well absolutely there was it was incredible what was done and we know do you know what I mean we can you know the yeah absolutely the state has capacity when it's driven when it's motivated when it's leadership clear, when there's leadership absolutely and when there's a desire to do it there is an issue in a way that some people pointed out to me that covid affected everybody potentially whereas this doesn't and we still have a problem that to overcome that and different people play on that as well and we should name it that there is a real danger i think that the you know that the far right and others will cynically you know manipulate this and say look you're housing refugees you know we need to put a cap on the number coming in here we don't have the capacity here um, and we need to challenge that and say and i think government will potentially play the both lines on that as well both sides and which they're already doing, feeding into that by saying we're facing challenges and we can't really do this and we have to put them in warehouses and that. So, you know, that's a real yeah. worry of mine as well. That is a real worry. It's a, it's, it's absolutely, I mean, we have to not let that happen. And sometimes I think that that's our job to not let them off. Like, that, like that's a really easy way for them to think that they're making political capital by kind of literally like passing the book, divide and conquer, kind of, you know, this kind of pity kind of narrative. No, no, no. Our job is not, is to, because that will, that would, we all lose if we go down that road because pitting groups against each other for political gain is the, is like, is, is disgusting Mm. and actually undermines, erodes democracy, trust, drives up cynical cynicism and we'll we'll all we'll all suffer as well so yeah. we ha- we have to not let them do that and we that's why you know we're calling for as 
you know, we're launching this open ladder today, actually. Yeah, so um, explain what you're doing, yeah, Siobhan, and what people yeah. can do. So, so what we're doing is we're, you know, we're, we're going to be sending out um, an email to all Uplift members today. We're going to be putting it on social media. We're going to be making, we're going to be asking all our allies and the, across the housing kind of movements and social justice movements and all the NGOs working in civil society organizations working at an, on a kind of a, on the response to the Ukrainian kind of refugee crisis um, to share and publicize this and kind of harness as much support behind the call for um for vacant homes basically to be made available for people who need them ukrainian refugees people from ukraine because they're not all ukrainian let's remember and um, people from ukraine um coming to, to ireland and any and also people who are homeless who need them and um, that that would be and 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 in some ways that they need to come up with the the mechanism the themselves like the the all the experts have put it on the table there's both the you know the holiday home 60,000 holiday homes there's other and a whole bunch of other vacant types of properties yeah. that you've laid out and um, they need to mobilize that now and, and those homes and kind of and, and and make sure that they're used within the next few weeks within yeah. the next few weeks they need to make yeah. the just be making the decision now what we know so that open letter is going to be um signed by thousands of people it's going to be shared and we're going to be you know doing a lot of kind of i suppose kind of you know movement building over the next few weeks to kind of make sure that both kind of this government and and kind of i suppose leadership with across those kind of political parties um get the one message that use the empty homes that we all, we all know are and see around us for people who need them yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. put your investment there because I even know. I mean, even again, it's really interesting being in Clare. Two thousand people were in Western North Clare of the last um, four weeks. Like I know some of the hotels, for example, two thousand people from in, Ukraine. From Ukraine in West Clare. Like West Clare. I don't know if you've ever been to West Clare. There's, I've been lots pretty, of times. Yes. Okay. So you know, you know, you can imagine the impact that that's having on the on, on in, in West Clare um, and and North Clare and. It's really interesting, and somebody. I hope there's a good, uh, you know, investigative journalist listening to this. It's really interesting even to look at who owns some of those hotels. Like I know several of the hotels in Clare are actually, if you trace back who they who they're owned by, they're a Chinese conglomerate, right? Yeah. There's yeah. there's a couple of big actors in this in the you know I know it's it's it, this has been an to, ongoing thing who is yeah. profiting from direct provision and from homelessness yeah. emergency accommodation yeah. they're prop for years and you know, the hotels and it is, you know, there shouldn't be, this shouldn't be another opportunity for, you know, conglomerates for funds to, um, you know, to profit. And on that, I think it's important as well that um, we point out that, you know, investment funds have, like I was, you know, there's 45,000 properties owned by corporate landlords, you know, there, we know a number of them are vacant and, um, you know, the student property there, the student accommodation as well, like they, they should, everyone should be contributing. And, even in terms of the capacity to to do up the vacant and derelict property quickly, I will be interested to see what comes out of that builder summit today. Because, you know, as I said, there's massive capacity within the construction industry if you paused hotel development to go after homes. And I don't see when you talk about COVID. If we remember, you know, the state um, took over private hospitals and said we need that capacity. I think the state should be taking over private construction companies and yeah. saying we need this capacity. Yeah. And they, I suppose they're kind of in some ways hoping that we will stay 
it, we will that we will kind of stay in this kind of like reactive mode and not get ahead of their their own their narrative and show yeah. them that actually there is a solution. They're making yeah. a political decision not to 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 you know to to, to go down that road, and um, and they're prepared to let children and mothers and grandparents sleep on camp beds and in tents while they wring their hands in pity. Yeah, well, well, they might be prepared to, but we certainly won't. We're Siobhan. not going no. to let that happen. Absolutely. Well, listen, Siobhan, thanks so much and um, for joining me today on Reboot Republic and, and the really encourage listeners to go over to uplift.ie. If you haven't signed up already, do sign up um, and you will get the email there and see the petition to sign and send on um, and you will get ongoing emails as well. So we hopefully people will do that um, and we will have you back on in the next couple of weeks and hopefully see how this progresses. Um, and I said, I'm going to read my examiner article now. But listen, Siobhan, thank you so much for com- coming uh, on Reboot Republic today. So this is the article that I wrote for the Irish Examiner, which is published today. Um, and it is headlined, Refugee and Housing Crisis, We Can Solve Both. Ukrainian children will be going to school from tents and warehouses in the coming weeks. Large arenas at Mill Street County Cork and tents for 320 people at Gormanston Camp in Meath are being prepared. It is unacceptable that refugees scarred from war are put into such accommodation when there are over 150,000 vacant homes across the country. It is wrong to traumatize these children and families even further. They need a home so that they have the space to grieve and process what they've gone through and to give them hope for a future in Ireland. The Ukraine humanitarian crisis comes on top of a pre-existing housing emergency in this country. Therefore, this government has to take emergency action of a scale and level we have not seen before in this country. Through a national housing and refugee emergency response, it is possible to provide enough homes for refugees, families who are homeless and those facing eviction. Government must also respond to the raging homegrown housing catastrophe. There are 1,180 homeless families and their 2,667 children in emergency accommodation. Thousands more are being evicted from their homes by landlords selling up or converting their property to short-term holiday rental use. Every day there is a new story of a family pleading for a home through social media as they face eviction. Increasingly, young people with good jobs are emigrating because of a lack of homes. Central bank figures suggest only 24,000 new homes will be built this year, 25% behind the government's 33,000 target set in housing for all. Government is still failing to get local authorities back building new social housing. Last year, local authorities built just 1,198 homes, 10% fewer than in 2020, and the lowest level of new build of social housing since 2017. These are multiple housing emergencies. This has to be the time to fundamentally tackle our housing crisis. Government must enact emergency measures to ensure every appropriate resource available in this country is put to addressing the Ukraine refugee and existing housing emergencies as it did during COVID. Those who can afford to contribute the most should do so. It starts with using existing vacant homes, as the Irish Refugee Council has proposed, Unoccupied holiday homes, unoccupied built-to-rent investor fund, real estate investment trust, apartments, and vacant student housing. Vacant homes that are immediately livable in are to be found on most streets in all cities, towns, and villages. That, with minor repairs, would make good homes. There are 60,000 holiday homes. Owners should be encouraged to voluntarily pledge their holiday homes for Ukrainian refugees. 
That would immediately mean families arriving from war-torn Ukraine would have a roof over their head, not have to live in a tent, a warehouse, or an overcrowded hostel. The Ukraine war constitutes an unprecedented humanitarian emergency in the context of an ongoing housing crisis in Ireland. And every sector of society should play its part. Large corporate landlords and investor funds own 45,600 properties in Ireland. We know that some of these are vacant and some are purpose-built student accommodation, which will become available in the summer months. The government should immediately request that all large landlords identify what units are vacant and how many units they are prepared to offer for Ukraine refugees. There are further 90,000 vacant homes across the country, according to GeoDirectory. Government knows where they are and who owns them from data collected in the latest property tax returns. It should immediately contact these owners to request use of their vacant property for a 12-month basis. The banks also hold at least 1,000 repossessed homes. NAMA also holds substantial property. Many are vacant. Combined, that is a huge number of currently vacant homes the government could get for immediate use. There are clearly enough empty homes to accommodate the people arriving and pre-existing homeless families. There is further potential for providing more homes from refurbishing derelict property and vacant commercial property. GeoDirectory has identified 22,000 derelict homes and 29,000 vacant commercial properties. There's also potential for 4,000 above-shop homes within Dublin city centre. There must also be tens of thousands of vacant office blocks that can be converted to accommodation relatively quickly. Within 6 to 12 months, many of these could be brought into use if we created a small army of construction workers focused on this. Combining vacant and derelict property, there is a potential to provide a supply of up to 200,000 homes. That is what we could do as a country if the government acted. Property owners should be requested voluntarily to provide their properties for this national housing and refugee emergency response. If insufficient numbers come forward, government could use emergency powers to require their use in the emergency period. Thousands more homes are available permanently on short-term holiday rental platforms. Surely some of these could also be used on a six-month to a year basis to house Ukrainian families. In order to get the capacity to quickly convert vacant and derelict homes and commercial buildings, the government should immediately create a state construction company. Within a few months, with 1,000 workers hired, the company could be refurbishing 500 homes a month and rapidly scaling up to thousands each month by early next year if it hired 20,000 workers. Many construction workers are currently building hotels and offices. In a housing and refugee emergency, we don't need more luxury hotels, we need homes. The government must also immediately ban no-fault evictions in the private rental sector for a 12-month period so that we can focus on the Ukraine refugee and housing emergency. This would ensure thousands of families and individuals are kept in their homes and are not requiring new accommodation in the coming months. The government has started a cynical narrative that the Ukrainian refugee crisis will be a significant factor in not meeting housing for all targets. This is dangerous and wrong. There was a housing emergency before the horrific occupation of Ukraine. Communities and families are doing all they can to step up and support families fleeing war in Ukraine. Alongside this, we all realize that too many in this country are suffering for not having a secure home of their own, including renters who don't know one month to the next if they have a home. We cannot let the Ukrainian refugee crisis be exploited by those in the far right to whip up racism and exploit the fears and hardship experienced by many. The government has a choice and a decision to make. There are enough vacant and derelict homes for everyone who needs one. So government must use every tool at its disposal to provide homes for Ukrainians fleeing war and homes for our pre-existing housing emergency. 
we can and must do both. So listeners, I appreciate you for taking the time to, to listen to this. And please, if you can, um, share the podcast around, um, share it on social media, let your friends and family know you're listening to it. That has a big impact. Um, and leave a review as well, if you can. Um, we know that you know there's a lot in these podcasts. People who give their time, myself, Tony, um, Siobhan, for example, our guest today, gave their time. Um, and you know, the more people who could hear this, the more who would hear the ideas, might take action, who'd be encouraged to take action. Um, so please, if you can, take a couple of minutes out, share it on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, share the link from Spotify or wherever you're listening to it from. Um, let people know that you're listening, encourage them to listen, and also encourage them to sign the Uplift petition. And if you can, um, go over to patreon.com, become a supporter of ours, uh, help fund the Reboot Republic podcast, help finance it. We have no advertising, no sponsorship. So we rely on our listeners, our patrons to fund um, this, to keep it going, uh, to cover the cost of production. And so if you can go over to patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack, that is tortoise shack and Tony Groves who produces the podcast. Please, if you can go over, sign up for whatever you can each month, you get the podcast first into your email inbox before they go out everywhere. You don't have to listen to these ads either, these patron plugs. Um, But please do, please consider uh, if you have any money, go over to uh, patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack, sign up. Help us to keep this show on the road. Help us to keep Reboot Republic going. Thank you very much. And we will talk to you all very soon.